Welcome to episode 35 of the Brood Sages. Stormbound players with a head for the game. I am Freeloader, and with me as always is Sabaiku. Sabaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. We are the Brood Sages, easily the second best Stormbound related podcast in production. And as a reminder, you can follow us at Brood Sages on Twitter. Or for all of you who ever memorized the opening line to Rapper's Delight, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. So, Sabaiku, it's actually been a little while. Uh, people in the Discord even noticed that uh, you know, that uh, episode 35 was conspicuously missing for a little while. Uh, we've finally gotten around to it, but this has been a fairly busy month for, for both of us. Unfortunately, it has. Not as much Stormbound as I'd like. Real life is getting in the way. Uh, I just moved recently, so you know, packing up a whole house full of stuff and trying to unpack it somewhere else is quite the project. See, that's your big mistake. You should just do one giant yard sale and sell everything and buy new when you move into the new place. I thought about just lining the street with dumpsters <laughs> and seeing how many of them I could fill up. But unfortunately, my wife and my kids really like sitting on couches, so mm -hmm. I had to move some stuff. Well, that's different. My my children like jumping on couches, so yeah. I'll, I'll I'll suggest that they try sitting. See if that doesn't change. Good luck thing. with that. Yeah, right. Um, but that being said, the game has been progressing. Things have been changing. Um, we would normally be publishing our meta report, uh, but believe it or not, we're going to pass on it. Um, it, it. It seems like the uh, real life bug biting. Uh, us, uh, we are not the only victims of it. Um, a lot of the uh, committee that we rely on for the meta report uh, were unable to do the survey this month. Uh, so we actually don't have uh, adequate data to publish. Um, hopefully uh, uh, in July, we'll be able to do so again. Uh, but for the month of June then, Sabaiku, it's just kind of a question of, well, <laughs> what have you been seeing? Yeah, it's... Uh... It's unfortunate to talk about this anecdotally. We do like to bring as much data as we can to the discussion, although I will always be the first to admit that our data is really biased. We have a small group of volunteers that help us out, um, so it's certainly not indicative of what you will see on your climb. We don't have the ton of data that Sheepyard has, uh, but we, we try our best with what we can do. Um, anecdotally, I can say I'm still seeing a ton of ironclad. I'm still mm -hmm. seeing a lot of swarm mid-range and mm -hmm. swarm rush is uh, a not insignificant chunk of the meta either. I see Shadowfen mid-range and to a very lesser extent, I see winter control slash heavy mid-range. It's a lot of ironclad and a lot of swarm still. Um, and that's, I think, part of the part of the reason why we haven't been as engaged, part of the reason why a lot of the player base hasn't been engaged, is just that this is a, another month of balance changes, just not really impacting the meta significantly. And I don't want to say that in an accusatory or derogatory fashion. I am not upset about that because I do think overall that the game is in a very good state of balance right now. Oh, for sure. The balance is fantastic. I, I don't want them to come in and just make changes just to shake things up. Instead, they've been 
you know, making changes to some cards that are not widely used, like Counselor Ami, making changes to cards that are widely used, like Unstable Build. And all of these are, are trying to bring those cards into a state of balance, but not to the point where it's so unbalanced that uh, it, it really changes things. You know, the experimentation with Ami, I do still see an Ami deck every now and again. It's a nice surprise, but it's not... Uh, it's not something that is out of control, powerful, at least not at, at the Diamond Heroes League level. Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I really enjoyed seeing all the experimentation with it at the beginning of the month. Um, my reaction to it at the time was, this is neat, but I feel like Zuri is just more reliable. And I think we said that uh, on our second episode, our first episode of the month after we had played with the balance changes a little bit. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, Zuri is just kind of more immediately impactful. Ami is better in the longer game, but in general, the deck doesn't play defense well enough to want it to go into the longer game. It is still a really neat mechanic. I I really love the the card. And to your point, um, I also appreciate the idea and the fact that a card that was effectively unplayable is now legitimately playable. Um, it's not oh, tilting yeah. the it's not tilting the scales. It's not shifting the balance of power within the meta, but it is now another card within your library that you can slot into a deck if you're looking to change the play style up or just experiment with something that's fun and new and different. So I, I do like that part of it, but in yeah. terms of what I'm queuing into, <laughs> so and that's what's interesting here. I think, and that's the direction that I want to take this conversation. Mm-hmm. The archetypes are staying the same. A lot of the games feel the same, although there are individual card choices that will take me by surprise. You know, I played against an ironclad deck with Windmakers. I don't usually see that. It was it was good to see. And, you know, thankfully, I had kind of played around it anyway because he, he seemed like he was running some slower stuff in there. Um, okay, okay. You know, but uh, like overall, the game kind of just felt the same as running into any other heavy mid-range ironclad deck, even though an individual card or two is changed here and there. Yeah, I I can understand that. Um, and and I think overall, I do agree. I I am not seeing uh as ma- as much uh, hearth cards, for example, as I did. Um. The, the unstable build might have shifted that a little bit. I am, but I'm seeing, I've been seeing um, uh, debug loggers again. Uh, so, so the ironclad that I've queued into have been playing around with a more greedy mid range, not looking to try to finish the game off as quickly as they are trying to develop inevitability. Yeah. You know, uh, Joshua H had popularized the ironclad build or the Merc maybe started it i don't remember um mm-hmm. but the ironclad builds had gotten a little slower and a little more defensive with loris and siren instead of hearth guards anyway uh you know debug loggers is a nice alternative if you don't have loris at a high level and you, you just want to slot something in there yeah it clogs it, the board up well exactly you're not playing as much defense but you are you are just kind of like clogging up the middle of the board and hopefully setting up your own attack at the same time. Yeah. The the other thing that I've seen um, that took me by surprise at first, but now I think has become the more standard uh, for, for swarm rush 
there's now almost inevitably vindicators in the deck. It, it seems like the meta has slowly shifted to the idea that try to get all the damage you can early on like turn six or seven with Forgotten Souls and just try to get the last couple with Chip. Yeah, I think that um, Thomas Petrie had been posting in the Discord a similar swarm deck that's very rush-focused and then tries to finish with Chip from Ubis or Vindicators. Uh, I played that a bunch this month, actually. Uh, something similar to that, at least. Uh, and it works because, you know, like we just talked about, a lot of the mid-range decks were slowing down. And the best way to beat a deck that's starting to go slower is to go faster instead. They can't play as much defense. You can kind of get the early damage that you're looking for so that four points of chip from the Vindicators is enough to close it out. Right. Going slow is one way to try to beat um, a greedy mid-range deck is just to try to outvalue them and just add more and more value. But you get to a point where you are now vulnerable to a rush deck and going with the rush decks right now is not not unreasonable, but I I gotta say, Russia in this game has never had it harder. I think you know between everybody running the low mana guns and Hunter's Vengeance or Loris or Void Surgers. I'm seeing Void Surgers no a way. lot. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like okay. people people are that want to play defense have a lot of a lot of opportunity to do so. And it's just never been harder for a rush deck. But with that being said, like it's still a lot of these decks are slowed down so much to the point where you can still come in underneath them. Well, I uh, uh, actually rushed all the way up to the Heroes League. I think it took me three days at the beginning of the month to just push and get up there using my uh, Make Nuts Great Again deck, which effectively plays like a rush Shadowfen deck plus a little bit of chip over the top. And uh, I, I think that that Rush right now is actually in a great spot. I have to agree with you. I have to agree with Thomas. I think that the uh, the push in the mid-range has gotten, I don't want to say out of control, but, but in fact, kind of into control. Uh, the mid-range is getting so greedy and so top-end heavy that... Um, it was a super easy climb to go to to go through diamond this this season because of I think that issue. Um, I was just flying through players one after the other. Um, I sometimes I couldn't even tell what kind of deck they were playing because they just played so few cards before I put the lethal down, which is a nice feeling. It is when you're the one committing yeah. the lethal. <laughs> um, luckily, my deck doesn't really try to do anything all that fun. So I didn't necessarily walk away from the games feeling like I missed out on something like, oh, man, I really had this combo that I was hoping to get to. And, you know, like that kind of thing didn't happen. Um, but a, a little bit more uh, uh, interactive games probably would have uh, uh, been more fun, especially considering I was streaming them and, and, and they were just very short and very quick and very matter of fact kind of, <laughs> way of you know. Uh, so you know, it's I, not a fun screen. It's not a fun stream when there's no discussion around what play should I make here, what card should I throw away here. When it's all very straightforward, it yeah, not very interactive. But no, well that and that's my fault for for playing that particular deck. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but last month I was struggling on the last day or the last two days to try to break into the Heroes League. So I just wanted to make sure that didn't happen this month. And success. <laughs> um 
knock it out of the way early. Exactly right. Uh, So moving on from there, though. No, I don't want um, to move on yet. Okay, let's not move on yet. Even though we're talking about how the meta feels a little stale, people are continuing to innovate out there. You know, uh, 1C, 1 Curtis, uh, throwing down some crazy techs in the Heroes League. Um, You know, check the Discord, check the Fluff, check the high-end decks channel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Arthas is back with in the Heroes League with his uh, Chonk Beam deck, which is uh, just looks like so much fun to play. And I think that might be, once I get enough gold together, I'll make some upgrades. It might be something that I'll try out next season. Um, so there, there are people continuing to innovate out there and there are people demonstrating that a lot of things are viable. So why are we not seeing the majority of our opponents try new things or adopt new things? I, I, I think there is the tendency, at least from me, when I see a base health 20, I assume they have a full library. And that's not true. Uh, in fact, it's not even close to true. You, you, I achieved a, a, a base health 20. I think I had eight or nine cards at level five. Uh, so I, my, my gut tells me that a lot of the players that are obstinately sticking to whatever deck they have, that's the one deck they have maxed out that they feel like they can rely on to compete with at, at the highest level that they want to play at, whether that be platinum to diamond or diamond to heroes league, whatever it is. Um, I, I think it takes a while to develop a new style deck within the same faction and even longer than that to develop a deck from a different faction. So if you've been an ironclad main, it'll be easier from you, for you to switch from your your classic ironclad rush, for example, and just slowly try to get two or three cards for mid range. But if you want to jump from there to like winter, good luck. It's it's a it's a long climb. It's it's several months to maybe half a year or longer. So you think it just all comes down to the coins? Like you can you can change up your deck. You can put one card in or put another card in, but you can't really overhaul the whole thing because it's just too expensive. Well, some of it is because it's too expensive, and some of it is just the limited size of the libraries. I mean, if 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 I really enjoy, let's say I really enjoy winter control, right? Yep. Even if I have a complete library, how varied can I make winter control decks? They're yeah. all going to have gift. They're all going to have Ulf. They're all going to have guns. They're all right. going to have you know, some sort of early game defensive tool, whether it be Hunter's Vengeance or Beasts of Terror or Edric. Sure. And, I, you know, you, you make three or even four card changes and you, you'd you say, well, that's a 33% change to the deck. One, one of the things that I have learned from playing my uh, Make Nuts Great Again deck, that deck runs Chestnuts and Needle Blast over the top. Those are bad cards. They're not good cards. They, they are successful in this deck because this deck is built around using them, right? But in general, like basing your deck around chestnuts anymore is just not really all that viable. I will tell you that if you build a deck with 10 super strong cards, like Shadowfen's core, the guns with Ubis, right? That's what I've got. And then you have two cards that do whatever. It could be Sweet Cap and Hair Raising. Why not? Uh, Whatever the last two cards are, you're going to cycle them like literally nine out of 10 games. You just never play them. You play the other 10 cards. Uh, you'll you'll be very, very successful. 
if I didn't have Chestnuts and Needle Blast in this deck and I put any two other cards in, I don't think my win rate particularly changes much. But also, I don't think the cards I play in the vast majority of my games change much. Like, if you made them, I don't know, Big Thrust and 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 uh, Summon Militia, maybe they would see a lot more play. But in general, I just cycle those last two cards. So even if I'm playing, you know, a, a Greedy Winter deck and I, I'd want to put in, like, Crazy Bombers, Crazy Bombers is only going to see play in one out of every eight or nine games anyway. Which is a shame because Crazy Bombers is a lot of fun to play. It is. It's a great card. But my point is just even when somebody chooses to adopt a new card, especially if it's a more expensive card, the number of times they're playing it in a, in a you know, in a group of 10 or 20 games, it's very, very limited. So the, the net result to all of their opponents is they see effectively the same ca- cards they would have seen if they played that opponent last month or next month when Crazy Bombers gets taken out and something else gets put in like Avian Stalkers. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's a great point. Changing one card doesn't actually change things for your opponent no. much, although it, it will change things for you. Exactly. Even changing four cards, uh, because two of those cards you might never play anyway. So it's really, even though you think of it as a 33% change to the deck, it's really only a 20% change to the cards you're playing every game. It's just really hard to to completely scrap a deck list and start over from scratch with all new sets of cards. There's just, the libraries aren't that you know the cards in the game are not that that diverse all right now we can move on all right so from there uh speaking of resource acquisition uh one of the ways that uh, a lot of players do choose to uh, try to gain more resources is through the brawls and uh, we've had a huge uh overhaul to the brawl system this uh, month sabaiku out of nowhere, uh, just a day or two before the brawls were set to start, all of a sudden, Sheepyard makes the update that there will be no longer just one brawl. There will be three running brawl events per week with three different difficulty levels. Casual brawl is limited to level one cards and 12 base health. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, usually equals matches are uh, 10 base health in level one cards here they decided to bring it up to 12 and i think that that's the right choice Um, a lot of the brawl modifiers are increased strength so uh you know for example we saw the rodent brawl this week um i think uh chaotic people with increased strength would just one shot a base health 10 (laughs) so a uh, great decision to give a little more flexibility there. Yes, although I would point out that the uh, the pirates uh, with two movement means that uh, lucky charmers can kill anybody too. So, you know, we already deal with being one-shotted in, in some of these brawls. The second difficulty level is capped at level three cards and a base health of 14. 14. Mm-hmm. Then finally, the ultimate brawl is the one that we have been playing up until this point with a level five card cap with uh, up to 20 base health. Um, And the cost per match there is unchanged. The cost per match at the warrior and casual levels are decreased significantly uh, as are the rewards that you earn. Yeah. I would also point out there is um, something else they added, which was a turn limit. So there is now the possibility of a draw in these brawls and the term limit, the turn limits 
are actually different for the three brawls. So casual, uh, if you go past 10 turns, it's a draw, uh, 15 turns for warrior, and then 20 uh, for ultimate brawl. Which seems like a lot, but you know, it is potentially a viable strategy to just gain base health and stall the game out and hope that you can get your victories by running out the clock instead of by killing your opponent. Uh, Not the way that I prefer to play for sure, but I'm sure that there are people out there who are going to try it. I mean, I I enjoyed playing fatigue decks in other games. Um, So I love the idea of there being now a draw potential. I, I, I don't know if there's any plans on implementing it in uh, ranked, but I, I actually additional win conditions. And I guess a draw isn't really a win condition, but additional ways of sort of finishing a game aside from just dealing damage to your opponent's face. Yeah. Uh, I like you know, it. And just something to make sure that the game doesn't stall on forever. You know, the, a way to just cut it short and say, you know what, both players, good job. Uh, but that actually only happens if the turn timer runs out and both both players have the same amount of health on the base. So seems unlikely, but it could definitely happen. Well, the turn timer will, will trigger regardless. The game's over at that point. Um, right, but that, it's a win or loss. Correct. Uh, normally, whoever has more base health when the turn timer runs out will win. Right. Uh, I do think they kind of had to do this as a way of handling the issue that um, before when I hit brawl button, uh, I was queuing into a match against potentially any other person who was also hitting the brawl button at the same point. Uh, Now, at best, I have a 33% chance if we assume that the distribution across all three brawls is equal. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this seems to be a change where they're hoping to attract more players to the brawl for sure. But man, you are uh, definitely distributing those players across three different pools and that's going to make it rough. Well, shortening the games might help <laughs> Might help there being a, a, a less long uh, queue times. Although my experience this this week and i know this was just the first one um i mostly played uh the ultimate brawl uh my queue times were pretty long i don't know how it was for you yeah uh it it was very much dependent so i did not play a ton of any of these uh i played the ultimate brawl up to the mythic pack Mm -hmm. i played the other two up to the 50 crown milestones the uh fusion stone reward there um so not too deep into any of them, but I tried to get a little healthy sampling across the board. And definitely I found the shortest queue times at the lowest levels and uh, the highest queue times in the ultimate brawl. I still did run into, uh, I think like one base health 16 in the ultimate brawl, one or two. And um and then everyone else really was 18, 19, 20, which is what I would expect. Um, yeah, that's exactly what know. I would anticipate as well, right? So I do think that this is a positive change for newer players. Newer players now have game modes that they can use that are uh, maybe a little less punishing than running up against base, base health 18, 19, 20 and getting blown out 
Um, but it, unfortunately, the high base health players uh, do have to pay for it a little bit with the queue times. But I never got kicked out of a, of a queue. I never failed to find a match. It was just, you know, 30 seconds longer, 60 seconds longer than I'm used to. Yeah, I agree. Same thing happened to me. And it, it was not all base health 20s for me either, although it mostly was. There was definitely some 18s. Uh, I don't remember seeing anything less than an 18. Um, but the uh, <laughs> I actually had one loss overall across all the brawls that I played. And I played um, uh, only Ultimate and Warrior. <laughs> so my one loss was in the free game section. So before the first milestone of the Warrior brawl, I lost a game because uh, the game froze up on me, um, which seems to happen give or take once a week. Um, I, I'm still not sure if it's not just an issue with my local Wi-Fi or or whatever it is, but I, I seem to have this issue where once a week, a brawl game just kind of locks up on me for a minute. Yeah, I did uh, have an unfortunate interaction in the same way in the, um, in the warrior brawl where I just thought to myself, wow, my opponent's really taking his time on his first turn here and then realized oh no this just completely locked up and i ended up skipping my first two turns and uh yeah i did not win that one when i reconnected so you did not run up against the uh three loss limit then that reset your progress if you only lost once due to a connection issue yeah, I mean, I saw the little X come off, and I was a little annoyed by it, <laughs> although, although not overly stressed because, well, it's the free games. <laughs> yeah, um, no, good point. Uh, I, I ran up against it when I was trying to close in in the, uh, in the Warrior Brawl, when I was trying mm. to close in on the 50-crown milestone and uh lost one to disconnect and then lost another one just because it does happen sometimes um so it, it it was a little worrisome to try to queue into those last couple games and uh you know make sure that i won them and didn't get reset back down but i was very early on so if it if i did lose and had to pay more gold it wasn't the end of the world it's not like i was losing a ton uh i don't know how people are going from 160 to 200 crowns, 200 to 250 crowns with only three losses. That seems that seems pretty inconceivable to me. Well, so uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, also added into the new Brawl system is that if you lose three times, not three times in a row, but three times in between two milestones. So once I hit, let's say, the uh, 10 fusion stone, this is for uh, the ultimate brawl, 10 fusion stones, that's 50 crowns. From there, my next step is 70 crowns uh, to get to the mythic book. Uh, so because I'm winning five, cr five crowns for every win, uh, that's four games I've got to win. If in the midst of those four games, though, I win the first, lose two, and then win a third, uh, win a second, and then lose again, I reset back to 50 crowns. Um, obviously, the further you go to Sabaiku's point, the more wins you need. For example, from 200 crowns to 250, those are two separate milestones right next to each other. So you have to win 10 straight games to go from the five legendaries to the 200 fusion stones. Um, 
you are allotted the opportunity to lose a couple but as soon as you lose that third game you reset back to the to the uh, lower milestone again and lose 500 coins per match that you sank into that you it. sunk into it yeah that that is for sure now the the one time where you can lose your third game and not get reset is in a situation like let's say you were literally at 49 crowns and you lose the game you gain the singular crown for the loss first bringing you to the new milestone at 50 crowns uh and then the th- third strike gets removed anyway because you just hit a new uh, milestone. So so if you're ever right on the edge and you're like, well, I better win this because I don't want to lose it and drop all the <laughs> way down, you won't. Even the loss will bring you up. But at the end of the day, Sabaiku, I this seems like it's already an anxiety-producing section of the game because of just how much gold you have to sink into it, in which we've talked about ad nauseum about how precious gold is in this game the economy being what it is you're already gambling a significant amount of resources on each individual game anyway why did it need to be made worse um and again this is not really punishing players who don't go deep into the brawl this is if you're if you're going 50 70 crowns in you know you're losing some gold a hundred, a hundred per match. It's not the end of the world if you lose a couple hundred coins. Um, it, this is really just punishing players who are trying to make a deep run into the brawl. And the only reason I can come up with is because it keeps them playing more. Unless you have, you know, like a ninety-five to a hundred percent win rate all the way through, you're gonna hit eventually three losses. And you're going to then have to go back and play more games than you would otherwise play. Would I see that's the thing is I don't have all the gold in the world. And, and so if I'm pushing to the mythic even, right. So let's say I'm at 66 crowns or whatever, and I lose and I drop all the way back down to 50. That's a lot of gold. I now need to spend again right? Even with the premium pass, that's 90 coins a game I have to pay to queue back in. So do you just walk oh, away I'm sorry, 135, 135 coins per, I do. I think I walk away. I like, I, I mean, I haven't been in the situation yet, so I don't know. But if I've sunk in, what is that? Let's say uh, four or five games at 135 coins each, working my way to the mythic book and then i hit my third loss and i have to start back over again at 50 i probably just say it's too expensive for me to try to push again i can't afford to go three losses again but you're coming at this from the perspective of a player with you know thousand to two thousand coins at any given Mm -hmm. time not not a ton of accumulated resources um this is mostly i think attacks on the players who have fifty thousand coins or whatever well, if you're, well, but but it hits me harder. <laughs> Not for you're, nothing. you're maybe losing a larger percentage of your of your coins than mm-hmm. they are, mm-hmm. but you're also much less likely to have this happen because you don't need as many wins to get up, right? Like they need to win twice as many games as you to get up from 160 to 200. You're trying to go from 50 to 70, right? You need 20. Yeah, fair. You need 20 crowns. They need 40 crowns. That's in an ideal world, eight games. But realistically, 
It's got to be at least 10. It can't be 11. Can't be 11. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know, you have to now make the 200 crown from 160 with, with no more than 10 games. Otherwise, uh, well, actually, just it eat, could be 11. Or yeah. you just eat into some of the resources that you have accumulated, and it costs you a little bit extra to play the brawl than it otherwise would. Mm. And maybe that's not the end of the world. You're basically being taxed so that you continue to make the queue times short for everyone else that you're that you're queuing into. I mean, I think you're right that 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 must be the reason why they're doing it is so that um players who are going to play to the 200 crown or the 250 crown uh uh limit regardless of of how much it takes to get there because they just need the 200 fusion stones, right? Or the five legs. Maybe this is a legendary they really need copies of. Um, but those players would now keep playing regardless. So that's a lot more cues and that's a lot more opponents than that we get to find the us plebs <laughs> trying to uh, grind our way up to like the 70 crown limit. Um, the, the problem is it does impact us too. I, I don't know how often it's going to, but it's it's definitely, there have been, there have been days or, or, or weeks, I should say, where I go undefeated to the fusion stones and then I lose four games in between you know normally i set myself up with one loss early in the free section i'll just concede a game before i i win the humble book and then from there i will normally hopefully only lose four more games the rest of the way to the mythic book some weeks all four losses are after the fusion stones yep so this will hit me yeah it it will eventually i do agree with that um and that it's unfortunate and I think that you're right. You and I are not in the position to spend a ton of gold on the brawl because we're not looking for the additional resources to come at that kind of cost. So right. we'll probably just walk away there. But maybe, maybe we won't. I, I, I Depends mean, on that, the brawl, I guess, and what the modifiers are and how our collection looks. In an, in, if I'm paying for the premium pass, I usually get three mythics plus the four from brawl so that's seven a month if i have to pass on one of those that's a pretty big chunk of the cards that i'm going to accumulate that month it is but you can accumulate resources in other ways now through the warrior brawl through the casual brawl where it costs a little bit less and Maybe you don't end up getting quite as much, but uh, you can work your way up through 80 rubies on the casual brawl at no more than uh, 65 coins per match as your highest. 60, 60 rubies? There's a, a 60 rubies milestone, but yeah. you also on your way there will get 5 oh, and 15. Oh, that's true, 5 and 10. Yeah, okay. 5 yeah. and 15, right? So you mm-hmm. can get a total of 80 rubies just by playing the casual brawl, and it's still going to cost you a significant chunk of coins, you know, probably with a good win rate, probably somewhere on the order of 900 or so is, is my guess. You can always use the brawl calculator on stormboundkitty.com to check that out for yourself. Um, but there are other ways to get the resources. Now you don't have to spend it all in the ultimate brawl. Yeah. But I look at the rewards from the others and and my, my knee jerk reaction to it is these are fantastic. And I wish they were there when our libraries and our levels were lower. Um, because early on when we were playing in gold, for example, I would have been all over the, uh, casual brawl that like 
playing in silver and gold. Boy, that would have been fantastic to have. Now I look at the rewards and for the number of games I'd have to play to get there. Uh, it's well, just Yeah, and you're right. It's it's a lot of games to get there. The the re- the reward per cost is good across all the brawls, right? Mm-hmm. You know, some some milestones are more important than others or are more worth it than others, you know, depend on what you're trying to get out of it. Uh, some of the milestones are, you know, rare cards or epic cards in, in um in the lower level brawls and the ultimate you get the legendary instead. Maybe you don't want those particular epics because they're not something you play. But make that decision for yourself for sure. Um, but in general, if you're working your way up to the a fusion stone or a ruby's reward, it's a good cost as long as you have a decent win rate. But the amount of time you have to invest to get there is a lot. Now you're spending that time in a brawl that you enjoy, hopefully. Uh, so, so maybe it's not a factor, but if you're a casual player with a limited amount of time, you're going to look at those milestones and think, wow, that looks really great. I'm probably not going to get there for one brawl, let alone all three. Right. Yeah. I think that's true. Overall, I'm pretty happy with, this change to the brawl, not for myself, because I think for me, it's mostly just going to be the ultimate brawl like it always was. I'd, I'd, at the end of the day, aside from my queue times being a little longer, I don't think this really affects me much aside from the three strike anxiety, right? Yeah. For, and... the, for the average player, though, I'm really excited about this because I feel like this makes brawl much more accessible to more of the player base. I agree. And, you know, even at the early levels, um, if you have the premium pass, the brawl is actually just straight profit for you early on, mm-hmm. which is great because hopefully that gets more people involved in the brawl, keeps the queue time short. Uh, the cost per match is very low, so people can can experiment a little bit and people can actually play it where they wouldn't have otherwise done so. And it is one of my favorite ways to enjoy the game so the idea of it being opened up to more of the player base just makes me happy i I think this is a good thing for the game it is and it definitely uh helps to shake some preconceived notions for me when i uh, queue up in the brawl against somebody in gold and think oh man this is going to be a cakewalk and uh then it turns out wait no I don't have level advantage over them anymore. <laughs> I actually have to take this seriously and try. Yeah, I actually have to admit, I um, uh, my my, I, I've been sitting on uh, upgrading overchargers to five because they've been gold bordered now for like three months. And when I saw that the warrior brawl was rodent, I was like, oh, okay, fine, I'll do it. I've I've been wanting to do it. I've been looking for an excuse. I'm like, fine, here's my excuse. It's in the brawl, and <laughs> I did it. And then I realized. <laughs> It's oh, only no. level three. <laughs> oh, oh, it's it's such a bad card at level three, even in the even you know even against only level three stu- stuff because it's just you know the two points of damage isn't enough. Uh, so yeah, I ended up taking it out, but it was fine. Um, I'm glad I have it because now I actually have a level five card in all four factions. I'm proud well, to say. Congrats. Thank you. And, you know, that does actually bring up a good point, too, which is that mm-hmm. if one of the brawls has a modifier you don't particularly enjoy, like you don't want to play the structure brawl because you feel like it's too random, it's not fun, 
you can oh, just skip true. it. Yeah, just do the other brawls instead. That's, yeah, uh, my, my nights are really bad. Uh, of, although this coming time, maybe it'll be better. Like my Edric for the last time we had the night brawl was level three. It was so painful pushing just to the 10 fusion stones. Um, I'll probably skip that this coming time and just, you know, if there is something better in the mythic or the, pardon me, the warrior uh, brawl, I'll just jump to that. That's a great point. All right. Well, let's move on to our card of the week. This is mm. coming to us as a request from our friend in the Discord, Overdrive. And Overdrive wants to talk about sound drivers. Well, this is the second half. Uh, we talked about the overchargers last week, or well, last episode. And so now this time we get the other half of his name uh, with the sound drivers. And uh, sound drivers are a three mana ironclad rare, because isn't everything in ironclad more expensive? <laughs> uh, it goes across the levels three, four, five, six, seven. So just a straight linear progression. It has zero movement. So it's more or less, I think, just sort of generic stats for the mana, right? Yep. Uh, but it does have a fun mechanic with it, which is on play, push forward the friendly unit on the tile in front. This is a fun card. It really is. Um, you know, having played a little bit of Ironclad, but not a ton, this is something that I did actually eventually end up working into the deck I was using uh, just because it it worked aggressively. Uh, I was trying to play also along with this Ozone and Unhealthy Hysteria. Um, you, know, you don't always have those two cards together as a combo. This is a way to bait your opponent into playing defense on their baseline so oh. that hysteria actually works without ozone. Uh, you can just you can just play a green prototypes and push it up onto their baseline and say, all right, if you if you ignore it, I'm gonna have front. If you don't have a clean trade into it, I'm gonna be able to hysteria that into your base. Oh, I really like that. I had not thought about that. That is clever. You know, it works to move your front in a lot of ways that uh, not much else will. Uh, I think cards like that are really valuable. You know, we've talked about Azure Hatcher performing the same function in Shadowfen, mm -hmm. uh, Zuri doing the same thing in Swarm. Uh, this is really, this is the ironclad answer for that. Uh, you do have Eloth that can fly over, but there are limits there, although there are positional limits around sound drivers also. So I guess uh, it's not, not any better or worse, just different situations where they're useful. You have to have something else on the board. You can usually pair this with a, another cheap card, you know, green prototypes, destructobots, gifted recruits, um, and just, just move your front. Uh, it's hard to turn that into a lethal combo unless your opponent is already very low. Uh, but but it does move you in the late game. So you can kind of take that runner damage, leave your opponent low, and then surprise them by moving across the board. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually very good for uh, cheap runner decks. Uh, you know, you throw, like you said, a green prototypes or gifted, and then your saber paws uh, now suddenly is within striking distance. So it's, it's great for that sort of thing. Yeah. Not, not a generally useful card. It's not something that you can kind of just throw in any deck and make it work, 
but I really appreciate cards like this that turn the game into a, a positional puzzle. You have to think about what is the best way to use this and then you know take it one step further. And what's the best way to set up the usage here so that you know on, on turn four, I'm going to do this so that on turn five, I have the ability to you know make a trade, sound drivers it up and get the win. I, th- I think the most common use case with this, right, is Embers of Chaos. Which is an expensive combo. It's mm-hmm. it's a good combo, don't get me wrong, but it's an expensive combo that doesn't play any defense or otherwise impact the board state. Uh, so you really, you really better have been keeping up with your opponent up until that point. The one thing I think Ironclad is very good at, though, is is delaying, right? Like with 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 push with ozone, but also with just like scrapped planners and debug loggers, you can force your opponent to have to wait an extra turn before getting to put units onto your baseline because everything's just clogged up. That is a great point. Um, the The cheap cards in Ironclad do seem to do a lot more. We talked about how it's still, you know, really on the top of the meta for that reason. Right, you got these cheap flexible tools that can be used defensively or offensively they're very hard for your opponent to clear they play great defense on your side of the board if you need to it's not difficult for sure to to slow things down if you're playing an ironclad deck yeah the problem with the embers combo is that you are putting one health on your opponent's baseline uh so that extra turn you bought yourself doesn't translate right away into no. it, it is a terrifyingly slow tempo play <laughs> it can be fantastic two turns from now uh but but just doing the sound driver or the embers into sound drivers play doesn't really threaten much even for the following turn right like no, you have to be in good shape before you make that play and you have to have the ability to recover afterward from having made that play <laughs> such a good way to put it <laughs> you're going to shoot yourself in the foot so you better have a come from behind plan um but this card itself ignoring the embers combo this card itself is just i think one of the more fun and to your point um what makes this game so unique is positioning and it's played on a board not a table uh and, and and these kinds of cards these kinds of mechanics that play around with position are some of the more engaging and fun cards in the game so i i, I love this card i don't think it needs itself to be changed nope. in order to see more play i think it just needs i i feel like embers is the best use case but not that no, great I'm, of a use case i'm not sure that embers is the best use case just because embers is so slow and most mm-hmm. of the time for seven mana, I'd be much happier if I, you know, played a gifted and shot it up to the opponent's baseline and ran saber paws in, you know, like sure. that, yeah. that probably works just as well most of the time, if not better. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely a card that we encourage you to try out. It's better than you think it is. Oh, for sure. The other thing I really love about it, it's yet again a card that the main mechanic, the main reason for having it in your deck doesn't change with levels so even if it's under leveled for you like frost texers was for me for so long doesn't matter it still freezes everything this still pushes ozone still like yeah. I, I like these kinds of cards agreed 
Well, that's going to end the main portion of this episode, which means it's time for me to remind you to contact us, preferably in our channel on the Stormbound Discord server or on Twitter at BroodSages. And you can email us at thebroodsages at gmail.com. We also have an additional way for you to reach out and support us. We have a Gumroad account where you can become patrons of our work. Check out the link in our Stormbound Kitty page. That's actually going to do it for this episode. Uh, we have not received any fan mail since the last episode. Uh, for Sabaiku, I am Freeloader. We are the Brood Sages reminding you to stay hydrated.